forever. Dog! Come all you young fellows that follow the sea to me way blow the man down. Put a vent on your ears and listen to me. Give me some time to blow the man down on a New England isle in a good seaport town. To me blow the man down. The fishing pays nicely if you don't drown. Give me some time to blow the man down. Where boys become green. This is how we do it. This is how a podcast starts. Um, I'm thrilled to talk to Danielle Crudy and Bridget Savage-Cole, the writers and directors of Blow the Man Down. Um, thanks for talking to me, both of you. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. This movie is so great. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Folks can check it out. Um, and they should. Um, and I, I watched it a few weeks ago and immediately was like, I have to talk to these people. They've done something incredible. <laughs> So here we are. Um, how did you do it? What happened? That's not. I was point. like, let's end on a high note, like just like yeah. period. <laughs> yeah, great. Um. All right. Um, no, I'm I'm curious to hear. Um, so this is the debut feature for both of you as writers mm-hmm. and directors. Um, but from what I understand, it took a long time to get this off the ground. Um, and the feature world just seems so intimidating to me. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. impossible to get anything made, let alone something of high quality, and you've done both. So take us back to the beginning. What was the um, seed of this movie? Well, Picture an apartment in Venice. <laughs> it's kind of dark. There's not a lot it's of It's a space. basement apartment. <laughs> Is that right? The only one you can afford. <laughs> <laughs> Whose apartment and was two, that? Two, that's Bridget's. <laughs> it was, okay. uh, two scrappy kids were getting tired of the short form, feeling okay. a hunger, feeling a hunger, and just decide one day, hey, <laughs> We want to write a feature. <laughs> it, and it really did happen like that. It was like, hey, crew, do you want to come over? We're going to start this feature. Um, so <laughs> it really, really was like, we, it was definitely like, hmm, what should we write about? And uh, th- this is eight years ago, by the way. So okay. like eight years, I think I, I, we should probably do the math again because every few years I'm like, ooh. Um, uh, yeah, it was like eight years ago and we, the movie just came out. So just, <laughs> if you feel like shit takes forever, it's because it does. It's because yeah. it does. Um, we'll offer you uh, some nuggets of resolution behind that, but. <laughs> so it really was, so, you, so you, did you two, you knew each other socially? I would say beyond socially. Okay. Yeah, like professionally, like we were working together. Um, that sounds like naughty. <laughs> Like, it's like, no, we're not a couple. It was like, um, I just like say yeah. that so much, Bridget. We knew each other professionally. <laughs> <laughs> professionally. We were work uh, no, just work friends. We, we went to the same college, okay. but a couple, we were different years and a couple years after college, um, I had a real big chip on my shoulder because I wasn't a film major. So I was like really excited to make friends with a film major. <laughs> and uh, I was a... <laughs> Sad filmmaker who's just. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we've been shooting. We've both been shooting. So I, I uh, 
I, we, I, we were living in New York and I had bought a, a camera. And so, you know, when you have a camera, then you're a DP, obviously that's how it works <laughs> in your early twenties. So, so I was in DP on a music video and Crudy was my AC and, uh, we were, it was in Coney Island and then we, we bonded, um, and, uh, yeah, it was like, we definitely like, were you know, a couple camera chicks that were psyched at that time there was even less women in camera department than there are now. So it was pretty it, fun. Yeah. It, yeah. It really felt like rare. And I had been like tracking bridge, like I said, sad film studies graduate who was just like, but how, how do you make and do? And I was working in a rental house and, um, Bridget was like, had this camera was shooting and making stuff. And. I was like, man, got to talk to this cool shit. And then like, <laughs> you know, she just had like so many thoughts about style and character. And it was just, it was like, there was a chemistry in the conversation that was just exciting and energizing. Yeah. Um, you kind of know it like, clicks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I went and worked on that other short film back at your house. Oh, yeah. The one that shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many that shall not be named, Ben, that we can't even start naming. But yeah. um, but that's then the we moved shooting. away. Then we got the hell out of New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then Crudy moved to um, L.A. And I was like, uh, my told, I had told my boyfriend, uh, now husband, like, oh, if you get a job in L.A., I'll move there. Because I was like, I know one person there. Like, literally, you're the only sure. person I knew there. And then when Bridget moved, I was on a movie. I was not. And then I you're like, gone. sorry, I'm in Santa Fe for six months. Is that where you were? Santa Fe? Yeah, I was in Santa Fe. Crudy was working. I, like, moved here and, like, a month later was like, see you later. <laughs> Crudy was doing camera department stuff. So she was uh, working for Maddie Libatique, the, the DP. Um, she worked on some really cool movies. And yeah, so we, our, our writer's path is like very roundabout. Oh my God. I was going to say, this is so funny. We're only at the Blackburn chapter. I'm like, <laughs> oh, we shit. Black, and we like called the chapters by the apartments. These are all the, like, there's the Venice apartment, the Blackburn yeah, apartment. Yeah, we haven't gotten to Venice apartment And yet. it's just so funny. We're in well, Blackburn. We're, I'm, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to take you back even <laughs> further because I'm curious to hear. Um, so I thought you were going to cut us off. I was like, <laughs> I thought he's gonna be like, um, I'm gonna ask you to pick it up. I know that's what I'm yeah. saying. I no. was like, oh, he's gonna be like, speed it up, dude. I'm gonna ask you to slow it down. <laughs> wow. Um, the, I like this place. I think I think it's really interesting, you know, that you you both came into this with ideas and the drive to make stuff. And and Crudy, you had studied film, and Bridget, you clearly had ideas about, like Daniel said, characters and the way things should look. I want to dig into some of that stuff to start. Like, what are what was the early stuff that got you excited? What made you want to make films in the first place or tell stories through this medium? Going way back, like to the inspo, inspos? Yeah. The original inspos. Bridget, yeah. you, have such, you have such a nugget of a story. Well, I always felt like I got into it so late. Um, I didn't really, I, I loved watching movies with my, uh, like, God, I don't know. I, I loved watching movies as a kid, but like, it, I, nothing, I mean, I actually used to make dumb comedy videos, but it was always like a slack off thing. You know, it was just not yep. anything taken seriously. And I was like on this like math science track, just for whatever reason. That's how like people told me, you know, people tell you what you're good at. And then you do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. So I, I was pretty late. It was like in college, um, at Wesleyan, 
I just remember watching, um, it was like in the same season, um, Morvern Collar by Lynn Ramsey. And I also watched um, Lost in Translation by uh, Sofia Coppola. So there's something weird that happened with seeing like these two films directed by a woman where it, like it was literally was the first time it occurred to me that that was like a job that mm-hmm. I could do. And not even director, just like a, like make movies. Like I feel like that was, I was it was years before I graduated to like understanding the difference between like the jobs on a set. Um, but there's just something about that POV that really spoke to me, and that it felt like a, a story. And it, it took, it was like kind of like a very slow aha moment. But um, yeah, I just really was attracted to the storytelling. As a kid, I was much more into books and reading um, as sort of like a a little like addict reader mm-hmm. um, as a young age. But yeah, I mean, we gosh, we both love stories. There's also like the favorite movies too. <laughs> but our, our Indiana Jones tape got, tapes got a lot of play. Um, <laughs> sure. But Crudy, you have like a you you're more of like the OG like always wanted to be a filmmaker thing. I didn't even know the word filmmaker existed. I was just like, I want to be a director, and that's what I want to be. And it was like, I was like a kid who just took her. My dad was actually it's crazy. I don't really talk about this much, but my dad is still kind of insane, and he films everything. And he when we were younger, he had this camcorder that had like the cable that ran down to the thing, so you like held it, and you had to carry this like almost like briefcase around. <laughs> And I had two sisters and he filmed everything. Like he filmed so much. And I just started taking his camera from him. And like, I ha- I like would make these like little videos. I was really into puppets and like Jim Henson and doing all this stuff. But so I was just like obsessed with like making movies, but I had no idea what that actually meant. Bless you. Excuse me. And it was, it, it was just like what I always wanted to do. And like, you know, did my little, eighth grade Montessori paper on Steven Spielberg and whatever. And like, you know, but it was it's like for knowing what you wanted to do, there was a long ramp up period. Um, sure. so well, it's, it was, it's, making movies isn't like writing a book, right? You need more than a pen and paper to do it. Uh, and, yes. and there's a, there's a barrier to entry to this stuff. That barrier has gotten smaller, but it still yeah. exists. And so I think a lot of us, you know, show up in Hollywood with the best intentions, right? Or the most ambitious intentions. But in reality, the stuff takes a long time. So um, it sounds like you both found work pretty early on in the industry, uh, on the camera side or on on the production side. Is that right? (laughs) It sounds like so lucky, but I was just like, uh, wait, I was super broke. You know that, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's hard. It was like, uh, work in quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a yeah. lot of like <laughs> failed paths too. I mean, it, or like, you know, misfires. Yeah. And... Do I need those like three years I did of making behind the scenes of photo shoot videos? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. That I is could, like... I could totally use, I could probably do without them. That's what yeah. I think about that rental house here at technological cinema video services. I'm like, could have done without that. You know, it's like, <laughs> could have done without, I worked on like this, like, man, when I was a, okay, this is a very niche job. Never, not, not recommending it necessarily, but, um, <laughs> It's it's in indie camera assistant. So you're non-union. You're just getting thrashed every day. And I did like 
non-union like history channel shoots or like non-union music <laughs> videos. I mean, this is the hardest labor and just just takes the life out of you. It just sucks you dry. I've like, seen Crudy's like legs covered in bruises from these like indie <laughs> just, AC jobs. It's like, mm, you do one, you gotta learn. Do you need like a whole like, like, you like five years in your twenties of this? Mm, probably not. But, but you know, whether, whether it's this or whether it's, you know, working at the supermarket, whatever it is, like a lot of yeah. us, you know, you work to get paid while you try to do the other thing and ma- make your way to making your own stuff. Um, I'm, and we had those jobs too, Ben, just to be I'm fair. Sure. Like we, yeah, yeah. we, it wasn't like, we just like, it wasn't, obvious how to get a job in the industry or doing yeah. some, some something related to what you cared about. That actually felt like this crazy puzzle for like the first five years out of college, just trying to figure out like, how do you get paid to learn? And even if you're not like running the show or whatever, yeah. felt, that felt like a long struggle actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and whatever it is, I mean, I think you made the, the great point that like, these jobs beat you down. Like whatever that job is that you do while <laughs> yeah. you're trying to make it, like that job takes its tolls. And I think part of making it and getting to make your own stuff is uh, the tenacity of getting through that part mm-hmm. of your life. Uh, and I'm curious to hear yeah. about balancing the work that you have to do to survive with the art that you want to make, you know, whether it was making mm-hmm. shorts when you could, or, you know, getting stepped up the ladder, if, if that's how it happened. Um, how did you find that balance? And how did you not lose the hope that you could make it? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for sure, there's moments where you do lose the hope, just to be totally clear. It's like, yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think that Crudy and I always did take our side projects seriously, and we worked really hard on them. And they, they did happen like on nights and weekends, um, a lot. And, um, it, I, I think tenacity is a great word. And I think Mm. that something like grit and tenacity and endurance are the things that have been our biggest assets, you know, just kind of, and also like enjoying the work itself and not, not so like goal oriented, you know, I think we kind of, you know, I, I think we, it was confusing for a while, you know, because we would you know, make these little videos. I don't know. It was, it, it took a while to figure out like the feature path, you know? Um, but the, just, just always having this feeling that yet that what your, your, your side projects are valuable and, and that gets really hard. I mean, I, I I know it really helped me when I did like a program, uh, I did like the AFI directing workshop for women. And that was really helpful to like having the programs like name on it, like justified, okay, you are supposed to be working on this thing, even though it doesn't pay you money. I mean, <laughs> this is like the, the, the twisted advice or to writers is like, just don't listen to your parents. Like yeah. when you go home for Christmas and they're all like short film, huh? So uh, what do you sell that? And you're like, nope, I'm not going to make any money. And in fact, I'm yeah. going to take $10,000 of my bait of my waitressing savings and put it into it. And don't I'm going to be show a little bit of credit card film. debt. Don't yeah. It's like, them. it's like, it's just like, yeah. And I, and guess what? My first one's going to suck and it's going to be embarrassing, you know? And like, just that, like that, um, belief that it's still worth it to put your energy into these things, even though they make no zero financial sense. And to some, to somebody who came from like a more like 
blue collar, straightforward background, like it's really hard to communicate that to your parents. <laughs> yes. And I think well, yeah. one one sort of like piece of the puzzle that Bridge is talking about, you know, <clears throat> well, I have a few things to say, which is like, you can have that, like you can hold on to that in yourself. And I think one of the reasons like the Bridges and I's partnership is like so valuable to us just on its own to just like on a, you know, a personal or professional level is because like, you also need to surround yourself by people who are going to encourage you because you do get, you do get beaten down, you know, and like having somebody to like, who encourages you when we weren't like exactly on the same page as all those years. Cause we both had to take side jobs. Like we would still like support and encourage and facilitate each other to like keep making, keep doing. So you, and it, it really is like having a peers, is it whether it's peers or like a mentor or whatever, like kind of helps bolster you when you get mm -hmm. beaten down, you really, really need that. And I never got into, I never got into the programs that I applied to. Like Bridget was really like, just had a great experience at DWW and I always was jealous. Like I didn't get into those programs and like all I wanted was like to be anointed and I didn't get that and it actually like fueled me somehow like even crazier and I'm not even proud of like that necessarily, but it just did like, I it did make me want to fight harder in some ways, but you know, we, there was so many years. I mean, there was after, after like these other chapters, like I was working in development and Bridget was directing commercials. And I was just talking about this the other day, like that really, I had like an identity crisis because I was like, well, I'm on the other side. Like I'm not a creator. I'm not a creative person. I'm on the inside of the machine. I'm on the, I'm, I'm like a desk person. And like, I like really had like a crisis moment. You know, I had like a breakdown where I had like a dinner, like a professional dinner with a producer. He knows who he is um, as like a friend thing. And I just like burst into tears in front of him when he was like, you used to write stuff and make stuff like what happened to you? And I just like lost it at the dinner and like then kind of had like a turning point, you know, but it was so, you know. You, it's as long as you keep coming back to it doesn't mean you're not going to have moments of doubt, I think. And, and you need your people to help bring you back to it too. Yes. You know, like I really felt like, cause, cause, cause this is the other weird thing that happens is when you have been broke and just scrapping it on, when you, when you get a job, that's pretty good. Like you feel like you have this treasure and you just are so scared to lose it. And yeah. even if it's not your dream, it wasn't the feature. It's not the, it's not the original, whatever, you know, for me, it was commercials. I just felt like, oh my God. And I think for you, Crudy, the development too. Like yeah. both of us had to have moments where we really needed each other to help extract, you know, to help drop that. Because it's like, once you have the, you're just so like, your self-esteem gets pummeled by being like, like, a, you know, a writer is like yes. also like unemployed. Like, yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. Like, you're not like, a filmmaker because you, you have nothing to show. Yeah, you don't feel like you have anything to show. And so your self-esteem can get really cracked. And then you get these jobs that are pretty close. They're pretty close. You're in kind of like in the, in yeah. some biz. And actually you, that's, yeah, exactly it. They're pretty you, close. Yeah. So we kind of both had to like, I, I had to extract myself from, uh, commercials, you know, I, I mean, we still try to do ones now and again, but, um, uh, yeah, it was, that was hard. And I remember Crudy, like you had a really tough time leaving Annapurna too. Yeah, it was really hard. It was like this, it was like in the sweet spot of that company of these major years. And it was like, where else would you be if you weren't there? And it was seemed like this like utopia of filmmaking and just like creative goodness in the industry. And it was like, 
you know, that was hard to walk away from because I was like, well, maybe this is it. Like, maybe this is the dream. I don't know. You know, even though then you have to ask yourself hard questions like, okay, well, would I be satisfied for the, with this forever and like shutting the door completely? And then like, you have to answer questions about yourself. Like, well, can I live without a Mercedes or whatever these things are, you know, or like, can it, you know, it's like, not like that. I'm just saying like, if you know, you're the person kind of person who's just like, these things aren't going to like fill the void for you, then you have like more resolve, I think to just like reconnect with the things that are meaningful because there are things, there are these little like, a Mercedes is a, a jerky example, but I'm just saying like things that you use, you can, cause they're like distractions or there's things that like make you feel good. And like, you know, Bridge always, I think you're so great at reminding us like, yeah, it gets harder as you go along because people start to settle down or people get, you know, jobs that are more legit and get more stability. And then you're kind of still like trying to piece things together. Yeah. It's, really it's one hard. thing when you're, when you're in your twenties to be like punk about money and then when you're like 35 and you do want a family, like it's very confusing, <laughs> yes. but cause you do have to, we, t- you know, we, t- you know, making blow the man down is essentially like work, like two years of work without a paycheck, honestly. Um, you know, so we both had like side hustles, even yeah. while making the movie. And, yeah. and even the movie itself. I mean, like the thing about this town is it's a constant hustle. Right. And which I think, you know, you mentioned earlier, you have to enjoy the process. You have to be proud of and, and, and take pleasure in one part of the process, hopefully a few parts of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to go back. So now that we have this backstory to uh, you two getting together in your basement apartment uh, <laughs> and with the idea that we're going to write something. Uh, and how did you start to circle the idea of what this feature that you're going to write is it really was like what are we gonna write yeah and then we kind of kind of got started talking about all some things we you know that we were excited like oh well sisters like okay it's a movie about sisters and then okay Bridget grew up in on like in Massachusetts near the shore and I used to go to the beach in Connecticut with my family to visit my my New England family and so we, you know, we had these things, we kind of had a place, kind of had like, okay, the sisters, you know, we've been watching, we watched, we were watching Morvern Caller. Yep. We were watching. And Blood Simple. Blood Simple. And Volvere, three movies about covering up a murder. I think we so, watched Blood Simple like 400 times. <laughs> what'd you say? Like 400 times? Yeah. I yeah. was just like, I just feel like it was like in that Venice apartment watching Oh Blood yeah. Simple. I, I could like marry that. Yeah. On my yeah, really like small that, TV. Yes. Yeah. I really see, I can like see it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we, we, and we already had this shared love. We had been working, we had been making things together. We had kind of a love of movie movies, like movies with a capital M is what we call it. You know, like, so I think we kind of went in just being like, this is going to be a fun ride and, and it should feel like titillating and, uh, have tension. And, um, and we just, we just kind of came from a place of movie joy with it. Um, and then, knew it was going to be sisters covering up a murder. And, and then we were listening to like sea shanties for a long time and just kind of getting inspired and doing research on lobstering. And, um, I had lived in, in Maine for a year and kind of trying to draw on that stuff. And, um, 
Gosh, I but don't know what were, else. And, and it was then, cool. It was Venice because we could walk to the ocean and just yeah, kind of get the vibes the too. It's like, then we wrote so many scenes, so many bad scenes, so oh, many yeah. bad scenes, just like a whole draft that's just <laughs> will never be seen by another human. Well, I want to talk about that for a second because look, it's hard. It's hard work doing these things. Uh, and there yeah. are a lot of missteps and there are a lot of wrong avenues. It's interesting to me that the crime element was baked in from the beginning, it sounds like. Um, and and wasn't something that was sort of layered on an existing world and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, how did, well, I'm curious about those, those wrong turns uh, about the, the bad yeah. scenes, the early drafts. Uh, Remember the nuns? Like? like, I'm like, I where know, I was just thinking go? about the nuns. There's like, this and we had like so many more blowjob jokes. Um, it was like a cut. Yeah. I'm like, God, how did those nuns get in that movie? Like, where did the nuns go? I was um, remembering the Polly scene, like when he's like, you know, drunk and they like oh, use yeah. him to lift up the cooler. Anyway. Um, so, oh, oh God. wait, what did you, but what did you ask? You said, I, I really said, just what want about to hear, those missteps? Yeah. I just want to hear about the early drafts and how you started to refine this thing. I think it's a lot easier to come up with an interesting premise of a movie than an ending. And I think that was really like, Understanding, like understanding movies, I really feel like we learned how to write over the course of this movie. We 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 parted, we wrote different scripts, tried to do stuff on our own, came back to it. It was something that we left and came back. And I think the other thing is is that the the meaning of the movie really kind of made itself known to us um, late. That late, yeah. Well, yeah, well, we knew it was about sisterhood, like but it was it's just sort of like figuring out exactly the role of the other women in the town and like the mother and the backstory and like the, the layers of that meaning um, really kind of came through. And I, I really feel like there's this parallel with Crudy and I, like, you know, we started it in a different sort of age bracket. It's at the, at the tail end of our twenties and, or whatever it was, I don't know. Um, but I feel like we were relating to the younger sisters more at the beginning. <laughs> and then we kind of had our own like sort of, you know, we were, we were like, tough chicks who were always trying to like work in male dominated areas, you know? So I feel like we kind of had our own like internalized, like we don't want to be like a, the girls kind of thing. And then over the course of writing this movie was sort of these, like just becoming an adult and like looking at our mother's generation and looking more with more empathy and uh, understanding and like, and realizing we had dismissed them, you know, or we had judged them or underestimated them. And so I think that was sort of, Thematically, that's what this movie will always be to me is sort of like un- investigating your own like um, blind spots with your with the, your female relatives and, and how you have underestimated them. And But but like yeah. in process wise, obviously, that's such a <clears throat> now in retrospect, we can say that, you know, that yeah. feels, you know, but really was like, <clears throat> you know, we had we had a lot of ideas and they were there was there was connectivity you know, and we knew we wanted, you know, it was, we wanted to make this like these women characters, but, you know, we weren't consciously, we never formally thought about theme in those early years. We just, that was not even probably like on our radar, I don't think in a mm-hmm, real mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because I feel like that's been a big learning curve for me, yeah. just, you know, it's just like, that wasn't something we thought a lot about. And then we had to start thinking about it more um, as like the years went by and then, but there, you know, it was in there, but you have to just sort of like bring it out, like tease it out more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just like kind of 
trying to hone on these ideas that we'd always been circling. But, you know, and, and these lessons like <clears throat> sometimes it's OK for the characters to say the thing that you're supposed to say, you know, like sometimes theme can say can can announce itself. You know, that wasn't quite obvious to us and, and trying to find a way to like make things clear or make mm -hmm. meaning, you know, bring meaning together. I mean, these kind of like. You know, that was like how, how Bridget said is sort of like the, the big arc of the realization, you know, moment to moment. It was like stumbling in the dark sometimes, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting yeah. to me. I mean, having having gone through some of this myself where, you know, you can be working on something so in depth and, and only find later that that theme or the worldview of your story emerges uh, in retrospect or, or further down the line. Is that going forward now something you're going to try to build in from the beginning? Are you going to think about what do I want to say and then have that inform it? Like, does it work that way? Well, I think there's got to be like the joy first, but then yeah. now like in our, the project we're working on now, you, you know, it's like you, you kind of, you kind of stumble into like a bouquet of themes yeah. pretty early on that sort of like feel in, in, in indigenous, that's not the word, but you, um, like baked in with the, yeah. uh, with the, with, with the, with the story you're attracted to telling, you know, <clears throat> yes. I really believe in like attraction and like joy and like following things that are just like sparkly and shiny when you're first getting into a story. Cause that's kind of like, holy in a weird way. Like it's this like thing you can't explain and you're just sort of like, Oh, this, this feels so good. You know, that, that, that initial nugget where we're it's excited. It's going to keep you going. Yes, like exactly. Yeah. This nugget where we're like so excited. Oh, this would be so cool. 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 We riff on it, you know, and then, and then, yeah, these like bouquets of themes and then whittling it down to like, like the one like sentence, <laughs> that like your movie is trying to say is like so many of the drafts uh, and um, so much of the work. I think. You, yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to like jump in and then like yeah. later go back and like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I actually was just like thinking about, you know, well, one thing I was like, I did learn in development, which like I had a, a I worked for a really brilliant woman, uh, Priya Swaminathan. And she was like, she'd always you would like react to a script and then she'd be like, yeah, but what's it about? You know, and just kind of cut into the chase, that deeper thing, that thing that's going to like really give it like legs or, you mm -hmm. know, an anchor or, you know, and, and you're going to like change your minds a bunch of times about it. And, but it's like shades is what Bridget, I think also, you know, we were talking mm -hmm. the other day is like, it's like shades of an idea that yeah. like you're kind of like working through. I feel like we're, we've gotten a lot more like scholarly in, in this last um, project just because we we were like really inspired by um, Michael Arntz made this um, video on endings. I don't know if you've seen it, but no. it's such a good. Oh, it's really, really great. Um, okay. It's called the good, the bad and the something okay. like the good, the bad and, and the unbelievably and the great. great. I think yeah, something. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like something like that. Um, it's so it's just a, it's about movie endings, but it's really about uh, using theme, and uh, and I think kind of we were also really inspired by that um, script notes podcast, like how to write a movie, 
Um, there had the script notes had one episode, how to write a movie. So I kind of feel like we're, we've been trying to grow up a little bit, at least being a little bit more like in the know of our tools, if that makes sense. And having a shorthand for how we were like looking at these themes and meanings and how to focus things. And well, yeah, yeah. it's like taking the craft more seriously because we don't yeah. want to spend eight years, you know, it's like, <laughs> not that it's like, or we can spend eight years, but like do, you know, only if that feels like it's you know, right. necessary, but just being like, oh, with craft, you can kind of like, you can kind of polish smart, you know, you have a, a smartness that you yeah. can use to kind of like target these problems that you are aware yeah. will come up basically. Yeah. I mean, and you weirdly like get better at like some stuff becomes, you don't have to work so hard on making a scene or making a character, you know, the basic mechanics, like you worry less about the mechanics of like, oh, is this cool dialogue? Like you just really understand like, no, no, dialogue always sucks. And then you go back and you make it better. Like, it's just kind of <laughs> like, just like, so then you actually, we're, you, you grow more capable of thinking about these themes and stuff like that too. But yeah, we've been very like, uh, well, right now we're so deep in it right now, actually talking about how, cause you know, this, this idea of like a, like a, like a dominant theme and an underdog theme and sort of like using your, um, or you could call it a thesis and anti, anti antithesis. Um, you know, just the idea that you have some idea that your movie is exploring, you know, a question and, you know, whether, you know, and, and wanting to find the way to pose the question so that viewers can actually hear it. Um, you know, you usually have to say it out loud and it's like, it sounds dumb, but I feel like when we grew up, we were so, we would be so enamored with these like subtle touches that a movie would seem to have. We would miss the fact that a lot of movies just spell it out. And so I think like we've done a lot more spelling it out or realizing that you need to spell it out as we've kind of evolved as writers. Yeah. yeah we're like, Oh, film the plot point. <laughs> yeah film write, the plot write, point write yeah. the plot point the, there's got to be a plot in the scene so it's like <laughs> yeah yeah you know but that's not that's not always obvious no right? well and yeah, so much like, of this um and, and ahead, Bridget sorry. you touched on this that like so much of it is a whittling away of other stuff you know like yeah so much of writing a story whether it's tv or film or whatever is is uh -huh. carpentry you know like you learn it yeah. by doing it. And then so much of it is just taking away the stuff that shouldn't be part of this particular story. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the other part I was curious to hear it about in Blow the Man Down was, you know, you mentioned the nuns. Was there other stuff that <laughs> sort of filled out the world that informed what you two were doing, but ultimately didn't serve the story? And how did you, how did you talk yourselves out of using it? Okay, the nuns, you know what, this is, it's actually interesting because I, I, Bridge, I'm curious if you'll agree or disagree, but I really feel like with Blow the Man Down, it was, it was less that there was, well, there was the whole nun draft, like, I don't even know what's going on in that draft, but there was yeah, like, you know, like there was like a lot of like, years ago, this was like, but it was like once there is a story of the scene, which is the scene in the hair salon, and like once the hair salon like existed, it was like, oh, that's the movie. So it was less like there was all this other gack around that we had to like cut away. It was like then more finding the kind of like the central totem pole or whatever. And like then kind of like digging deeper with that. Like, oh, this is the idea 
follow that idea in -hmm. its different shades and permutations um, rather than, you know, necessarily that there was so much extra, but because a lot of the character, you know, there was some character compression and stuff, but I would say like, you know, a lot of the elements didn't change dramatically. Yeah. We, the whole, like the, the cops um, storyline was like a pretty, that was like evolving. That, that was a lot of new stuff. And like one of the final, like latest drafts we did at the very end, you know, we, we kind of, but by then we knew the world so well, we could just write, um, write that quite, quite fast. Um, we did have like a whole, we had written like, this is, this is never intended to be in the movie, but we wrote like a whole timeline from like the seventies till present of like how the founding of the brothel and all that stuff and how it came and what was the drama between the women and, and that having the base, having the, um, that breadth of knowledge then makes like the little things like a lot easier. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, I feel like it went back to the 40s because it was like their birthdays. Like, oh, we were yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're like Susie Gallagher's birthday was 1931. I mean, we really <laughs> yeah. did have to do that, Wow, <laughs> which is like yeah. kind of nutty. But it, but it, it was it like shows. deepening. It was a deepening. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely flavors the entire movie. I think, you know, I, I when I was recommending this to people, I was comparing it to Brick, uh, Ryan Johnson's <gasps> debut. Wow, where cool. It has the same, you know, confidence and mastery of place and characters and story, but also of tone. And that's the thing I really want mm. to talk about is this movie knows what tone it is. Um, and I wonder if that was always clear to you and how you conveyed that on the page. Because it's tr- that's a tricky tone. Mm. I'll uh, tell you, <laughs> there were people who read, like, it was like, that was a number one question we got in like the lead up to the movie is like, like, you know, there was a tone to the script, but a lot of people were like, well, what's it really going to be like? You know, like, what? yeah. Like, is like, this like a musical? Like, like we had like singing this? fishermen, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think people really were like how, I don't think, I think tone was, is, yeah, it's definitely in the script. You know, we kind of like, we're trying to make it this like visual cold kind of read. Um, but salty is what we called it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel like tone is this, this biggest journey we went on as directors too, um, making the film. And I would say that we were, the, to- to- the tone conversations like starts with the scripts and it ends with like the music and sound design. It's mm. like just, it's really something that was part of every stage and honing and honing and figuring it out. Music and casting are disproportionately potent for tone. <laughs> I, uh, as, as far as like directing goes, um, mm-hmm. I think with writing, I don't know, you know, it's funny what you mentioned. It's awesome that you mentioned Ryan Johnson, because I'm a kind of a fan nerd of his. Um, I was obsessed with brick, but I also really, we used looper. Looper was really influential to me on just as a, as a read. Um, the script is a really fun read and it, it's like, it's written to be read really fast. And I just appreciated that about it. It has like this beatnik quality to like the way, you know, you, you know, it's a noir by the way he describes things. He, he uses like sentence fragments and like, just like says like one word a lot. And um, I feel like that was really influential for just like understanding how to communicate tone on the page. Yeah. Bridge um, had me read it. Yeah. She like sent me, she sent me the script. She was like, yeah, you got to read this. 
So that's it, yeah, it has come full circle. I mean, there was like, you know, there was like atmospheric touch it, like the imagery in the script, you know, there was like spine, this is so funny, spiny crab in the sea foam or whatever. And like cut to the movie, there's no spiny crab or sea foam, like, because we couldn't shoot a crab, but. Because of animal know, rights concerns. Yeah. So like, is that you know, true? We, we, yes, we, wow. yes, it was a real trip. So like. <laughs> We, uh, it was, you know, we had these like images in there and, and there was like this, this worldview of the story, you know, which is the noir part of it. Right. And, and so, but man. But I think, I mean, it seems like having that clarity from the beginning, you knew this was, you knew the kind of story it was. It was a crime story. You knew it was a noir, Mm -hmm. you knew where it took place and and you're so steeped in that place um, that yeah. I'm sure that that just came across in the reading. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for anyone who got it, they were going to really get it. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think people were still had questions. Like, yeah, people you know, would read the script and be like, well, so what's the deal with the tone? And yeah. then we would, you know, we made a lookbook to kind of help with that. Um, yeah, so I'd yeah. love to and, hear about and, that. And we were always figuring it out together too. And I think mm-hmm. that that part was like such the, the the writing and the making of the lookbooks, you know, such a huge part of the prep for us to be able to direct it together, you know, because we really were on the same page by then. Uh, gosh, what I was going to say, um, the, I, sorry, I just forgot what I was going to say. Um, that's okay. Uh, I we, feel like I learned a lot from Bridget, who I think Bridget has like a real like, She's like, um, you know, tap, tapped into tone, like in a, in a, in a, just like a really deep, beautiful way. And like, um, you know, just learning a lot about like how casting impacts it and, and, and music particularly. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was, it was more like the way I had always understood it was like a POV, which is, which is, yeah. they're, they're yeah. similar, but not quite the same, but like, you know, reading a lot of scripts, like, because that was like a big, you know, chunk leading up to this. It was always like, what is there, is there a POV in the script? You know, what's the POV, even though the POV of this movie and the tone are still different a little bit, you know, so it's, it, they're, they're close, but they're mm-hmm. different. And um, so I had like, I think I learned a lot from bridge just trying to like, see how they marry basically Mm. yeah it's interesting in in talking about the worldview of a movie right uh as opposed to the character view of the movie and the worldview speaks more to tone um but this is also you know as much as it's noir it's never bleak um and and i you know as someone who mixes genre stuff and likes that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, you always get the question from people reading it going, what is this? And and you got to prove it. <laughs> That's pretty great. <laughs> I'm curious to hear about that honing um, as you went on, you know, once, once you got to make this movie, once, once you had a green light to make this thing, what were the challenges then? Was there ever a thought, uh, whether it was a scene or an aspect of of the movie where you thought like, I don't know if we can get away with this in the movie that we've constructed. 
I feel like the blowjob jokes were the first thing bridge like that. We, yeah, it was yeah. like before the financer. So we did this like big, huge overhaul, which we should probably talk about because it's important. The cop thing is like we had to kind of really go back and do this like plot storyline, you know, just kind of like. But it was like it was like a couple people who we really trusted writers and um, our producers uh, like we're just like, yeah, the poly blowjob joke. It's you're not getting away with it in this. Like, you know, the tone, it's just not doing... It's like, we just had this idea, like, it's called Blow the Pen Down. It's, like, so funny if there's a blowjob joke in it. But it, like, felt, like, broader, like, it was a broader humor than the rest of the movie. Yeah. So it had to go. You have to listen to people, too. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was stuff that we shot that was just, like, tonally, you know, not... That we cut. Not... That's interesting. So you didn't even, until you got there, and until you got to editing, you didn't even realize that these things didn't quite fit in. That's very common to like cut things, uh, you know, and, and do little pickup shoots, you know, and I think actually um, it's, 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 uh, sorry, I don't know why I said it like that was like defensive, um, <laughs> but I just mean like, it's, yeah, I think that the, we were figuring out the tone till the very, very end, mm-hmm. like, and, and, you know, and that includes like music notes, you know what I mean? Like, and this like, is how yeah, people like a music journey. Yeah, like we we cut we cut this whole like eulogy scene at the beginning of the movie. We were going to have mm-hmm. like uh, Priscilla saying a few words about her mother, and Sophie Lowe. She's just a beautiful actress. She did this most amazing, like heart wrenching, like honest eulogy about her mother, and then it just set the wrong tone at the beginning. It was too sad. It was too sad to start the movie. So we were. I'm. We that was a big tone thing. Was Ooh. just the beginning. Like people didn't know that it was supposed to be fun. And so we kind of had to um, like recalibrate the opening. Uh, And we took it for granted too. We stuck, we like, it was like, you know, we really like, oh, well this is like, these are fixed points and no way around them. And it was like, you know, I think it was a crazy day when we finally were like, what if we cut, you know, this funeral scene and like, you know, just just radically changing the opening, like Mm -hmm. freed us up, but it was, it what took us a long time to figure that out. Yeah, um, which is so crazy because it feels like in watching it, like without the knowledge of that, it feels like there's no other way for this to open. <laughs> uh, it's a bumpy ride, my friend. It's the right yeah. choice, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to, so you mentioned the, the draft that you had to do before um, uh, where you sort of did this story draft late in the process. Yeah, I think that um, like we always kind of were resisting the idea that there, it was too much. Of, we didn't want it to be too much of a procedural, you know, with the crime element. But the story kind of was missing it. Like, you know, you have a cat and mouse tail. You want to see the people in pursuit. And so we just had to do a better job, like tracking, like who's on the who's on the hunt for this murder. You know, and I think because we were more interested in the women, it, we kind of neglected it for a while. But yeah, we, I think that was just, just, and it was already in there. We already had Officer Justin, but Officer Coletti was added quite, quite late. And we just, you know, had to, to really beat out this, like the, the process of what, what these cops or police were going through and trying to, you know, and that felt quite mechanical. Would you say so, Crudy? Like, we really it was super mechanical. And, yeah. But, yeah. And it was like, it was like, you know, we had done world building over those eight years. And then it was like, okay, 
is a story tight? Cause it's gotta be tight. You know, you want this person to not be able to put the script down. Like you want it to just go and be easy. And so it was like doing the cop storyline. And then, um, you know, we really had all this backstory that we were trying to like seed into pre-existing scenes, you know, so that one scene is always doing like five things. That's where you want to be. Right. But it, you know, we had to kind of like go in and do these passes. Okay. This is the backstory pass. What happens when they learn this about things here? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move it here. You know, we did a lot of that back and forth, like, okay, well, and then you keep doing it in the edit. Oh, well, is it here? And there's a difference between when the characters know something and then when the audience knows something. So you're trying to respect those differences and it was it was tricky and it was think, still yeah, all the way through the edit our uncredited third writer is our editor mark vives for shout sure. out vives yeah <laughs> um i but that's yeah. that's part that's sort of the next thing i want to ask about is um putting together the team um you know you want you want to find the best people who can see this thing the way you see it and also collaborate with you, give you input onto this thing. Um, so how did the team come together? And even before that, how did anyone say yes to making this? What did you have to do? Well, the best thing we can say is, <laughs> the best thing we can make, say- I was about to make a blowjob joke. Oh, I'd stop myself. Go damn ahead. it. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like a long two year lead up for like a never, like, it's like, even when you get the yes, it still doesn't feel like a yes. So like, you never have this like, yes moment. Like the yes moment doesn't exist is what we'll say. Um, Cause you're always kind of like, hold on to your butts. Like, like just, yeah. Good news, bad news, good news, bad news, good news, bad news. So you have to like create this like really like even keel to like protect yourselves from like heartbreak. Yes. Yeah. It's really like, (laughs) and then someone's like, you got financing. You're like, really? Well, yeah, we'll see about that. Like (laughs) (laughs) then you're like, never like, it's like you are perceived as never being, it's like, then you just seem like smug or something. Cause you're just like not excited, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) But like, so you're, you can just, you're all, you'll always feel wrong in some way. Were Um, you, were you pitching the movie to uh, potential investors or studios or anything, or were they just having the script sent down? uh, No, we, well, both kind of, right. This we, well, I feel like we pitched it a lot and talked to a lot of people, but that was more like as, as we were getting our allies together. Yeah. And yeah. then the actual like of, you know, what, what you do and just to be cap, uh, super, super, um, I don't know, whatever clear about this is, um, you, you have your script and, uh, if you're the director, you're, you know, okay, you're already attached. Um, but, uh, you know, then they would get, in theory, you'd have like a director attached if you were just the writer. And then you're slowly putting together your, what they call a package. So it's like your um, the key actors who will help determine how big your budget is. You're trying to accumulate them. And, and you're also figuring out, you know, usually before the actors, you're figuring out who's producing it. Um, you know, locking your DP and your production designer, those are really fun things that aren't that hard for a director to do. But the the tricky ones I would say are like getting your, um, your producer, the right producer production company. Those took us a really long time and, uh, and, and, you know, years really, um, just to kind of get people to, to 
sign up and then you're sending the script out to different actors and this takes a really long time because you you have to offer it the role to one person at a time and so you're starting with like these famous people because you're really hoping you're going to get five million dollars for your movie or it was probably like i don't know depending on the project you know that was would have been like a bazillion dollars for us um <laughs> we got less spoiler alert uh, yeah <laughs> so we were you know you start off like sending it to these like really a-list names and they all say no but they take like a really long time to say it's no. like six months goes by and you want to die basically. yeah yeah and like all, you're aging and you're like <laughs> your life is slipping by your friends are just like See your friends are buying a house yeah it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's like um <laughs> Your, your little sister's friends have multiple children. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, kinda, yeah. You're, you're yeah. just like the calendar, like leaves are just falling and you're just like, <laughs> oh. and you're just waiting for cast to read your script. Yeah. So that's, that's a really fun phase that everybody loves. God. And, but that's um, it. Yeah. Oh, wait, you keep going. Well, yeah. Then, then you add it on. I don't know what, what's next. I was going to back. I was like backing it way up just to even like producer town just because. You know, these are the people that are going to make your movie with you. You cannot do it alone. And the film family is, you know, it's in India, it's sacred. You know, like that's the cool thing. You're just going to have to ride or die together. And so you really you also don't want the wrong people on, too. Um, We felt really lucky that we ended up who we ended up with. But, you know, there's just so it just takes a long time to find these people who you can go through the shit with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. And like, that was just one thing that Bridget and I knew we could do together. You know, yeah. like that was something that was like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's even harder than you think it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. And the, the bit, yeah. Gosh. We Yeah. We, I mean, we also, there's this moment where, you know, your producers might want you to keep going out to more and more actors, but maybe you're really happy with these certain actors but they're not as famous as like they, everybody was hoping so that they get more money. So their jobs are easier, you know, cause it's so, you know, but then Crudy and I are like literally aging um, rapidly. And so we're just saying like, so at some, there was a point where we were like, Hey guys, we're going to make this movie for less money. Here's how it's going. You know, and kind of like we're doing for it half. With, for half the money. Yeah. That we were looking for. And, um, and it was harder for the producers. It was a bitch for them. And guess and who else it was hard for? Harder for us. Us. Yeah. We just didn't know. They tried to tell us. You. You know. You. That's like the blind. But we'd have to do the same thing again. You know. It was kind of. It was like. Yeah. You know, because because we had great actors. You know, we and we knew it. We knew we could tell a great story with it, even if it wasn't going to be the most famous actors with the biggest right. budget. We just paid in, in having to rewrite on set every day. It's like what it's like it made it would make the producer's jobs easier in a lot of respects. But it was it wasn't and it wasn't like necessarily like anti the actors. It just is like you are going to have challenges down the road. And, you know, I would say there were some Saturdays and Sundays rewriting up in Maine, like compressing. Oh, God. Scenes. Yeah. Every Saturday. Well, I Sunday. was like one. Yeah. I was like, I mean, you're losing your mind. <laughs> yeah, when you're directing all week and then rewriting on the weekends, not because the script needs like just because you're having to deal with a lower budget and you're realizing, OK, we're not going to be able. We have to do this at this location. We have to rewrite it for this or we have to combine these two scenes because we can't do we don't have enough time. Like we don't have enough hours. 
So after writing it for eight years, you just want to like, <laughs> like really, out. it's come down to this. It's, it's yeah. like late at night and I'm so exhausted. Yeah. That's so, really that's instructive like, to me. Though. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that like, th- that's the very practical outcome of having a lower budget is you're not going to have yeah. as many locations. You're not going to have as much time. So you need to make the script fit what that budget that you have. Yeah, it was like yeah. it was like basically like slash and burn a little bit, you know, like okay, cool, what can we compress and you know, that that sometimes I think about like that being some of the hardest parts of like the production part of just like those those doing those scenes on the weekends felt like man, this is really hard and you you knew it was because you said I want to do this for half the budget. So, <laughs> I, more just like wanting to share like there there are consequences eventually, but I wish we you know, the thing is you can only do it the way you do it because even if they had t- tried to make us cut stuff before, we wouldn't have probably done it. Yeah. Like we wouldn't have listened. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have listened until we had to listen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all and- it's all learning experience. Um, I yeah, GP ask- says it's like a matrix, like in, like indie film. It's like you got to beat the matrix every day, <laughs> and it's just like time. It's like time, energy, and getting the scene, and yeah. you just have to figure out like what the where you fall and like what the box is, and try and like get you know make it work every day. Are these logistical, um, practical issues things you think about as you approach the next project? Oh hell no. <laughs> No, we're going to get brutally punished. <laughs> right now, as we're writing, I actually, there's been so many, I've had a bunch of outer body moments as we're writing where I'm just like, our current thing has like set piece, 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 crazy, elaborate art department stuff. You know what I mean? It's just like, we, but you can't worry about that stuff while you're writing it. You just have to figure out the story and then we'll have to see it later. That's, that's <laughs> well, very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, before I let you go, I want to ask very briefly um, about working with this incredible cast, um, working with these actors and conveying to them the tone of these characters, which like seeing June Squibb and Annette O'Toole play these characters like, oh, my God, that's my Cape Cod family. Uh, <laughs> tell me about getting them in that very specific target. Go for it, Grady. Ah, I mean, a lot of them, like, I mean, June's a, they're, they're all like geniuses. They just, they like got the writing, you know, and they brought a lot uh, and they were really generous with each other, trying to make this like trio of women, for example, like feel tight and to feel intimate and that they had known each other their whole lives. Um, So they were like doing, you know, they were bringing a lot of that, like, like um, theater actor energy to just like, okay, let's run these lines. Let's do it. And um, God, I mean, uh, Margot really, really is like a huge gift for this movie too, because um, she, because she's so, she's so talented with humor um, and mm-hmm. was able to and make. That, yeah. I was gonna say that's, that's, that's something we're always talking about when we say casting influences tone. You know, casting Margot made this movie single-handedly made this movie so much more fun. A lot of people like aren't that fun to watch when they're angrier. You know, she's just is like, and it's just because that's who she is. She's just like vivacious, like hilarious, like naughty, like just 
fun personality um, and person. And she just brought so much life to the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, the the but, whole cast is incredible. And you, you both did really unbelievable work with all of them. So congratulations. Um, we're going Thank to, you, we're going to end as we always do by asking you what you are watching these days. What's getting you excited or inspired, uh, movies, TV, what are you reading? If anything, this is probably embarrassing to reveal. Um, I'm watching probably the, my first TV show ever all the way through <laughs> since arrested development in college. <laughs> like, I, I usually just watch movies, but, uh, I really wanted to watch Sopranos and, um, for, and I couldn't be happier now that I know Carmela Soprano is like unsung hero of a generation <laughs> how are you enjoying so, it how is it what has it been like 15 20 years yeah it's like 20 years it's wow. like a really long time um oops maybe do we lose bridge maybe she'll be back um i'm 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 loving it it's sad because i can't talk to anybody about it because it's not happening in real time <laughs> i although i'm sure there's a lot of like um internet chat boards i could join but um, I'm deep in season four and I just really, I get it. You know what it is like? Basically, I'm like, huh, I get it. And uh, I'm really, I'm thrilled to experience it. And I'm just ashamed it took me so long. But, you that know, I, I just didn't, I never came intuitively to TV. So um. <laughs> that's great. I'm glad no you're into it. TV. <laughs> that's, exactly. It's not. Um, thank you both so much for joining me. This has been an absolute pleasure. People should go watch Blow the Man Down right now. Uh, thank you so much, Danielle and Bridget. Thanks. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.